right. Welcome to the first ever episode of Dynasty Kings. I'm Jake Estes, and with me is Mike Valerie. Mike, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. It has how been are you today, Jake. I'm good, man. It's been a fun day. You're a Pats fan. I'm a Mac Jones fan. Um, been a lot of big news. There's a lot of cuts today. Um, so what we're going to do, Mike and I are going to break down all the big cuts today, talk about the impacts, and we're also going to get into the preseason battles, all the big players who appeared to break out, and it's going to be a fun one. So nice to have you guys here. Mike, before we get into it, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us anything you want at all? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Mike Valerie. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Dirty Mike. I'm a part of the crew at Campus to Kin, great group of guys. Um, but today, like Jake did last week, I want to tell you what got me into dynasty football and how we kind of got into nerding it out. So our first dynasty league was together. We had a home league drive, a lot of fun. Now, I wasn't able to be there because of my job. So I did the best I could to prep my wife into drafting me the best team possible. Now, I didn't understand the difference between redraft and dynasty. So I gave her a sheet for redraft players to target. And I remember my starting lineup was just awful. I was worse in the league. And it took me about one year to rotate all 25 players off my roster and start a rebuild. So, but like through that rebuild, I got like into nerding out. I started like watching tape and getting deep into it and starting to understand more to get me an edge on over my league. And so I just kind of went down a huge hole and absolutely loved it. That is exactly the same. So I'll tell you guys kind of how it went for me. Uh, I, I don't have a wife and she didn't ruin my team, but I was under the same premise, you know, I played. <laughs> I've played fantasy football since 2006. I love this. Literally <laughs> obsessive, which is why we're here. Um, but my first year, again, was with Mike. We wanted to do a dynasty league, and I drafted this awesome team, right? And you're probably thinking, okay, well, what's the issue? Well, when you draft a dynasty team that's built like a redraft team, you're good for a year or two. And I realized that. And so I, I kind of sold the farm early. I got second place. I was Still a little bitter about it. Rashard Perriman ended up beating me. Just got cut today or yesterday, one of the two days. Uh, still bitter. But anyways, um, so I sold the farm and went young and kind of screwed up my team a little bit. A Derrick Henry trade really screwed me over because I traded him for Fournette. Fournette ended up getting cut, uh, just like a lot of the players we're about to talk about. But um, so I needed an edge, and my edge was rookies. And So Mike and I kind of collaborated. We're like, man, we got to figure this out. And so this is how we got here. I started doing um, a whole bunch of analytics. I went to grad school and got my, uh, my MBA, uh, so Master's in Business Administration. And in that, I learned a lot of stats, advanced stats classes. Um, and one of the methods of statistical analysis that we were taught is regression analysis. And so through regression analysis, you can identify patterns and trends that correlate two different things. So you're trying to take whatever, and compare it to something else. So for this example, we're trying to figure out what metrics or stats have correlation or a relationship to fantasy points. And so <laughs> through literally over 100 hours of, of Mike and I actually collaborated on some of the database that we were building, um, through that database, we were actually able to find correlation. And so that's how I built my rookie models, and that's kind of how I got into the scene. People started realizing what I was doing was pretty cool. And Mike has turned into an absolute nerd as well. He's gotten into the college football stuff, C2C. So he's doing some scouting for guys I can't even talk about right now. So that's kind of how we ended up here. Um, we're excited as heck. So let's jump into it. Mike, Patriots, what happened today? Let's go ahead. Yeah, so Cam Newton got cut uh, to everyone's surprise, including mine, because I thought Cam had the job locked up until he messed up. You know, week two, week three, whatever. And then uh, Mac Jones is going to take over and just make it his job. Uh, what I assume happened is that they took Cam Newton in and told him we're going to make Mac Jones the week one starter, and he probably asked for a release. That's probably how I imagine it goes down. But now we got Mac Jones here, which means it's going to be stock up for all of the repassing and hitching receivers here. Um, can't really say as much of a dynasty intake because we already knew Mac Jones was going to take over, but it just kind of pushes up the timeline. So now you're looking at Jacoby Myers. Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, they're all stock up now. And I believe I actually saw ESPN already update their projections, and they almost have Jacoby at 1,000 yards a season. Really? So, yeah, they're close to that, yeah. So you're higher on Jacoby than Nelson Aguilar? 
Uh, safer floor, you know. Now okay. Snyder's going to pop off for a couple games. Uh, if you watch preseason, you watch Christian Wilkerson miss uh, a lot of deep balls, and um, Nelson Aguilar will be that deep ball guy. So, yeah, love it because I don't even know who that is. So I'm glad you're you're our Patriots nerd. Um, some guys. So obviously, anybody who knows me from Twitter, you know I love Mac Jones. I've made it clear, and I wanted to make it clear from the get go because I think he's been disrespected. So today, I thought it was going to be a big victory lap. And oh, man, it turned into just a whole bunch uh, more discussions. People still don't think that uh, Mac Jones deserves the respect. And so here's the, way I, I, here's the way I perceive it and why I'm so high on Mac Jones. So your first and, and most important job as a quarterback is to deliver the ball to your pass catchers. I know we're talking about fantasy football. and fantasy football, you want quarterbacks to scramble. However, how many quarterbacks that scramble can't throw the ball? So you... You're going to be an efficient quarterback for maybe one or two years until they realize that you can't win with a quarterback you can't throw, right? So, I mean, that's that's kind of what I see Cam as now, not in his prime. Um, you can look at guys like Mariota. You can look at guys like Vince Young. All had wills, right? But they couldn't throw. And so if you can't throw, you're not going to last. And I think you feel that way about Jalen Hurts, but we'll uh, we'll save some of yeah. that for later. <laughs> so, so I love Mac Jones for a couple of reasons. I think he's the most – it's not even I think – he, in college, he was the most accurate quarterback. He's supposed to be one of the most intelligent. And they say he has a photographic memory. That's something that I took keen to. I think what's important if you're not going to be a quarterback that can scramble is your ability, that one, the pocket presence, and two, the ability to read a defense. So that's huge for me. If you can't read a defense, it doesn't matter how good you are because you're not going to know where players are at. And that's what makes some of the guys who are immobile so great. You know, you're, you're Brady, you're – your Peyton, uh, Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't exactly mobile, but all those guys are so good in the pocket and can dissect a defense. So that's what makes them great quarterbacks. So it's it's tough to compare somebody like Mac to that, but he went to the system that worked with a quarterback. Now I'm not calling him Brady, but the Patriots uh, organization has worked with in a mobile, intelligent, accurate passer the last 20 years. So I think if anybody can can develop him into what I don't want to call him a I don't want to say anything crazy, but I, I think he's a good quarterback in a great situation and and I love Mac. Okay, so before we move on from the Patriots, so we, we just stated that we think this is great for every skill player, right? Yes. As far as fantasy value. Right. Okay. I, I would agree. No, all of them. Yeah. So, with that said, um, I wanted to touch on Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So, where, where do you stand on Damian Harris as far as value? For, for let's, see, uh, let's focus on redraft. I just updated my rankings. I got him right now as RB25. So, he'll okay. get the goal line carries now. I don't think the yards really change too much. I mean, he'll get a couple more. I mean, okay, yeah, the yards would go up a little bit. But the touchdowns was a really big concern there. But he can't do vulturing touchdowns. So, you're looking at, like, Probably four before Cam. I'm looking at maybe like eight to nine now that Cam is okay. gone. Rushing so touchdowns. I, I agree with most of what you just said. The only thing I disagree with is you said Damian Harris is going to need the goal line carries. And I actually think that's where Ramondre Stevenson has the best opportunity at 231 pounds. He was a prospect. Uh, I was high on. How Were you pretty high on him uh, pre-draft? Or, no, uh, not very. Okay. I think he went appropriately in the fourth round. I wasn't think he was going to fall Fair. farther than like okay. fourth or fifth. Definitely day three. Yeah, I I can't really disagree with that, but there was a lot on tape um, that I really liked about him. Analytically, he scored, I think, seventh or eighth on my model. So not great, but a guy that I saw as a prospect with potential. And he lands in a situation where I, I called him muddy backfield. A lot of people love Damian Harris. I'm not one of those guys. And so now I feel more comfortable drafting Damian Harris at ADP. But when Mac, when Cam was quarterback, I didn't. So I, I think Damian and Ramondre's value both goes up now. However, I'm I, the guy I want to own is Ramondre Stevenson because at value he's so cheap and you just saw what he did in preseason. If if he uh, is able to step in a role because because Harris is injured like he was last year, I think he could take the backfield. I really do. Um, a lot of now people what don't like that. Dy- What's up? What about for dynasty? Where do you oh, see Ramondre yeah. for dynasty? Uh, I'd say. I'd have to look at my rankings, but I'd say they're probably pretty close, and I'd probably give the edge to Stevenson. I really think Stevenson has an opportunity okay. to take over this backfield. And I, I know that's yeah, not I consensus. That is, that is how I feel. 
I believe it's year three right now for Damian Harris. So he's coming up on a contract year next year. Yeah, that's and also true. The Patriots really don't sign people unless they're cheap there, you know? They just rotate them through. Right. It, it really so. reminds me of the Garrett Blunt situation. Now, Garrett Blunt was bigger, but the, the Patriots have shown. And I think in 2017, I believe was the year, Garrett Blunt had 1,100 yards. They gave him the workhorse role. And right. so, you know, obviously he's not quite as big, but that shows that Bill Belichick is willing to commit, and and I really like that. All right, so we've harped on the Patriots for a little while. we got a All lot right. of teams to talk about. Uh, next yeah. up, Ravens. You got the big news for us? What happened? Yeah, so J.K. Dobbins is out for the season. Um, I, oh, was it ACL? No. Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head. I do know he's out for the season. Out for the season, but it's not one of those uh, permanent injuries that we're all worried about, like Cam Akers, for example, who we'll talk about later. But with J.K. Dobbins gone, uh, this is a big hit to a rush-first offense here. And you're looking at Gus Edwards now, obviously, stepping into that role. But it's the question is, like, how much of the roles he's stepping into and, uh, like, where can we project him now? Because uh, we have to, like, filter ourselves, not, like, put him at the same rank as J.K. Dobbins because he, he can't really pass catch. He has, but, like, he's not going to be involved in the same, but. Where do you see Gus Edwards now for the season? Uh, I mean, you definitely have to move him up. And I liked Gus Edwards, but I like J.K. Dobbins more. Um, right. That was just a muddy. That was another muddy backfield where at cost I didn't want anybody. And if I Same. was going to take somebody at cost, it would be um, Gus Edwards, just because I think Dobbins is the best. But he's also being drafted as the best, and I didn't like where he's being drafted, just because I, he, you know, last year you got Lamar Vulture and all these carries. You had Gus Edwards. Mark Ingram worked in a little bit. I don't remember what his touches looked like last year, but that's just not a backfield I want a whole lot to do with. And if I am going to grab somebody, well, I, obviously now it's Gus Edwards. Uh, before, it would have been Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards at ADP. Now I don't know where his ADP is going to be, so I don't know if that's quite a value pick. Oh, and by the way, Justice Hill is not going to be his handcuff. Uh, we're not handcuffed guys over here, but if you are, no. the handcuff will be, was it Tyson Williams? Tyson? Yes, that's correct. Tyson. Tyson, that's right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, he's not going to be on my team, so I don't care. Right. <laughs> Same. Right. Um, so, yeah. Also, just to point out something, too, is that with the Ravens, for everyone listening here, uh, it's very key that your running backs have a pass-catching profile to become a top 12 running back. The only ones that really make it each year are like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, who are very efficient. Now, last year, all the Ravens running backs together combined for 55 targets. So... I was already out on J.K. Dobbins being an RB1 option, but now Gus Edwards is going to get even less target share probably. Yep. Uh, so for me, he goes back in that category of running backs in a committee where he's the early down back, exactly. but like the reliable early down back that I like. So like Rojo, you know, and uh, like Josh Jacobs, you know, I'm Josh Jacobs in front of both of those guys, but you know, that category where they're not catching passes. Yeah. It's just, it's no. just a backfield. I hate muddy backfields. And yeah, I like so, rookies in, in in those muddy backfields, but there's not one. So that's yeah, a backfield. So speaking of pass catching, Jake. Yes. Uh, you want to talk about Rashad Bateman? Love Bateman, absolutely. So Rashad Bateman, uh, supposed to miss four to six weeks, I believe. So coming back sometime September. Um, he's a guy I want in both Dynasty and Redraft. He's my fourth ranked rookie. Um, and here here's um something I love to talk about. When you have a team, and everyone loves to disrespect uh, Lamar first passing, right? But when you have your best pass catcher as Marquise Brown, you're not going to pass a lot because why would you? That doesn't. You're not going to benefit, and that doesn't play to your strengths. A good coach schemes for the players that he has, right? And so right. you draft Rashad Bateman. You bring in um, Sammy Watkins. You draft Tyland Wallace. That tells you everything we need to know. They're going to pass more this year. Don't care what anybody says. You don't go spend first round draft capital. You don't bring in guys and pay them that much money to not use them, right? So Rashad Bateman, when healthy, I, I he's a guy that I I have a stake of that I believe he could be a league winner. He, he's automatically going to be the number one pass catching uh, receiver, debatably with Mark Andrews, um, who's obviously not a receiver; he's a tight end. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. That's a guy that I want everywhere. What about you? Uh, Oh, it couldn't be me. I don't want him. You don't want Bateman? Nope. It's just too much of a low pie. He's not a league winner because he's not going to be throwing that much. You said they play well, their strengths. Well, Lamar Jackson's strength is running. And well, that's their identity. Hold up, bro. 
I just don't think Lamar <laughs> throws like more all of a sudden. Like he'll throw a little bit more, sure. You know, but he's also got Sammy Watkins there. He's got Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace looked good. And Tylen Wallace wasn't hurt last year or and he isn't hurt this year. Now Rashad Bateman got hurt before this in camp, minor injury out a couple of days. He also got hurt his senior year of college football. He's just a guy that always has a few nicks and bruises, and he's not really always there. So. Sure. Uh, James, hopefully Bateman gets our eligibility. Yeah, um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, it's, it's interesting you say he's not a league winner, though. Let me let me clarify why I believe he is. So at ADP, right. um, I don't have it off the top of my head. I've looked at it. wrote an article on this, actually. Uh, it's really low. I think it's like the fifth or sixth rookie receiver. And so the way you win a league is by – drastically outperforming an ADP. And which which rookie wide receivers are going to be? I don't know, but Bateman's chance is as good as any. He's stepping into a massive opportunity. So, I mean, I, I, I can understand why, why you say that, um, but no one projected A.J. Brown. Obviously, that's a hell of an assumption, assuming Rashad Bateman's going to be A.J. Brown. But you see my point. you got to be ahead of the curve. I understand, but A.J. Brown went to a team that didn't have like an offensive identity where the Ravens are already established in their system. But... David. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Bateman has to be incredibly <laughs> efficient <laughs> to, to be relevant for me. Right. All right, next up, we got the San Francisco 49ers. This one was uh, a, lot of, a lot of people wanted to weigh in on this one. So this week we yeah. saw a quarterback committee. So quarterbacks on rotation throughout the game, not even a series. It was literally on play, on a play-by-play basis. It was really interesting. Mike, what did you think? I, I mean, I, that's what I thought the Patriots were going to do actually there for a little bit. So it was weird seeing it. It's kind of discouraging from a fantasy standpoint here. Um, I, I know on other podcasts uh, out there, I've stated my claim that I think Trey Lance will be the bust out of this class. I understand the people that like Trey Lance a lot, as in like he has the highest ceiling. I agree. He does have the highest ceiling. But he went to an easy school, played easy competition. And people want to point out, oh, his rushing upside. Like, yeah, his upside is pretty easy when the hole in front of him is like 10 yards with no contest. And then uh, he took a year off from COVID, too. And I'm going to talk about this for a few other guys, too. Is that the guys that opt out, I think they have like a bit of time to knock off that rust. I don't think these players are ready to go. Uh, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell, um, Trey Lance. We'll talk about those other two guys later. But I don't think Trey Lance is pro ready. People are saying he's going to start. I think he can honestly sit almost the entire season, and that would be fine. Man, I tell you what though, that one was been. I, I did not expect that. I, I there's, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time we've seen an actual quarterback committee. That's that's so absurd to me. Yeah, and and it's like, how do you let a player create that type of rhythm? I can understand like goal line plays where you want to bring in your run, your running quarterback to to just give you options, but, but literally cycling on a play by play basis is just so odd. And, and I feel like it's so Shanahan to do, you know. Just do right. whatever the heck he wants and assume it's going to work. Um, but again, yeah, Trey Lance, I don't think he looks bad, but I don't think he looks great either. It looks like he's got a lot of developing to do. And the thing that scares me about Trey Lance, he had the least amount of pass attempts of all the rookies coming in. It was something absurdly low because he was running the ball so much. What Do you remember what number it was? No, I don't. But I do remember him throwing to quite a few incompletions. And like that's fine if you want to count that towards his like – no, it's not his fault. It's the receiver's fault. But he also almost threw two interceptions his first game. Oh, and, like, those pre-season? were drops. Yeah, preseason. I was talking about this so, game, but I got Oh, uh, the number's, like, in the 400s. No, it's 200s. It's something low. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry. So, so, no, you're good. Who do you uh, – do you think Garoppolo starts day one? Well, yes, because Trey Lance is injured. I don't know if you saw that. I guess he didn't. He's oh, hurt yeah, for the well, first week. He's for a week. Not the first yeah. week. He's only hurt out for a week. So, he should no, be he's healthy a- by then. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. He, ch- he chipped his finger, and they won't even tell us what finger it is. So, <laughs> yeah, sounds about I right. Um, you want to talk about uh, Trent Surfield? Yeah, Trey Sermon. That was another guy I had pinned as a league winner. Um, what I hate about this, so again, we have uh, the situation I was describing earlier. We have a rookie stepping into a muddy backfield. Love that. I absolutely love that because you have vets that had the chance to earn that job that didn't. And so when you have a rookie, um, it's a big opportunity. I don't want to go into my massive Trey Sermon rant, but long story short, uh, Shanahan's not afraid to commit to a back. He's done it 
in his career. If you look back to 2008, I think he did it seven or eight times. He's had a bat go over 937 yards. 937 yards would be – that would have been good for 12th-ranked running back last year as far as yards go. So that's substantial. That's good. Um, And then also – he is Shanahan is on record stating that he's not, or he it's been proven that you can get running backs late. And whenever you have a statement like that on record where um, you can get productive running backs late, and then he, that same coach makes an effort to trade up to get a running back on day two, round three, to me that says everything we need to know. We've got a we've got Shanahan who clearly loves Trey Sermon, and, and he's got a great opportunity. Um, looks like Mostert's running with the ones, so I don't know that Trey Sermon's going to stay on day start on day one, but one injury, and I, I think I think it's Sermon's backfield, and I think that's yeah. And it's not even a it's not even a question of if he gets hurt; it's a matter of when, right? So you know, so he'll super excited about sure. that one though. Um, let's see what else we got here. Trent Sherfield. Oh, yeah, almost forgot. Trent Sherfield, dude, is going off. He looks like he is going to be the wide receiver three there. Um, not That's probably not significant uh, news for standard redraft. However, for deep dynasty leagues or just a deep redraft league, any player stepping on the field can have value. And I'm in a league with 32 players. I'm absolutely scooping uh, I'm scooping up Trent Sherfield just to see what happens. It's just, it's just right. he's free. And and he may be getting targeted, and so that's that's huge. W- what are your thoughts on him? Uh, they need a number three there. Uh, you know, my money was in the bag for Austin Watkins pre-draft. Oh. You know, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out. But uh, yeah, they need a number solid number three on the field. Uh, Richie James isn't it? Uh, they're con- and Kendrick Bourne's gone. So the number three role is up for grabs. And again, we talk about injuries. Debo Samuel he gets hurt a lot every year. It's a matter of time. I think Ayuk right now is actually hurt. So. I think Jalen uh, there's Hurley opportunity there. I mean, who? Who yeah, is exactly. that? Exactly. That's the opportunity we're looking at. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Trent Sherfield, that should be a um, – I, I wouldn't in, – in a 12-team normal redraft league, probably not worth targeting. Deep leagues, definitely worth a look. All right, let's look at the Lions. Break us down the lines. You're the Lions guy here. Oh, first yeah, off, Rashard Perriman cut. What does that mean for that that wide receiver court? Right. So this elevates uh, Quintez Cephas. Got a little buzz last year. Um, he was now, to me, stepped in as number three guy there now. Um, yeah, loved it. Uh, a quote from Jeff Okudo last year, that's going to be their corner topped draft quarter last corner last year, uh, was saying that Quintez Cephas was the hardest guy ever covered. Now, I don't know if I want to read into it as Quintez Cephas is really good, or Jeff Okudo is pretty bad. That means one of those two things. Probably Jeff Okudo is pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, so Quintez Cephas is elevated. Makes me feel a little better about Amon Ross St. Brown, who I'm going to talk about right now, is that Amon Ross St. Brown is the f- – oh, I liked him a lot pre-draft. Fell to the fourth round, so according to analytics, it's not very successful. Um, it's kind of not a high hit rate. He's getting a lot of buzz in camp, and I kind of believe in him, but – from what I've seen from preseason, I'm not too excited. He's catching a lot of balls close to the line. I saw a few drops. I'm not really too concerned about the drops. Um, but like two for four last week, I think the week before he was two for 12. I mean, that's not going to win me any weeks at all. Nope. So, yeah. you have anything to say about uh, Amon Ross St. Brown? No, it's another guy. He was kind of on my fringe for like my last wide receiver. I was probably, well... Him and Diami Brown really kind of like on the last cusp of guys I'm actually interested in that I thought could have great potential when they get here. So here is in the NFL. Um, not a whole lot to say though. Uh, looks like Tyrell may have Tyrell Williams may have a great opportunity. I know they talked about him as being the wide receiver one there. Lions, it's a great opportunity if you grab the right guy. You could have. Uh, they're all so cheap that if you gamble and get the right one, it's it's. I mean, you're not losing anything, so it's, right. it's kind of yeah. worth the risk. They're all, all three and redraft, right? So, so um, I'm probably with you worth there. a stash. Yeah, I think Amra could take off second half of the year. Usually, it takes rookies a little bit to get going, but uh, if he pops off second half of the year, I'm probably looking to sell in dynasty league formats here. Um, it's kind of a scarcity of the position for the Lions, 
So, like, what's to say next year they're not going to put real draft capital into an early wide receiver next year? Uh, so, if Amara does end up being that super stud, it's going to be a hard decision for managers, including myself, to make that call to uh, sell high while I can. Maybe grab some more 2023 picks. So. Right. Well, um, there's one we almost forgot. Trinity Benson actually cut by the Broncos. Not cut, I'm sorry. Traded from the Broncos to Detroit. Um which is noteworthy because the Broncos just cut um, two other guys. I can't remember. I know one Seth Williams. You know I like Seth Williams, but I can't remember yeah. who the other was. Do you remember? No, the I other can't receiver? help you out there. I'm sorry. Nobody's super significant, so you guys don't need to worry about it. All right. We'll move on now to the Broncos. Oh, we forgot uh, to talk about DeAndre Swift. Yeah, we can touch on injury. him. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the news is that he might not be ready for week one. And if you read the statement from Coach Campbell – uh, it's that he's not going to be up to speed or up to wind, he's saying. So I'm like a little confused on like what what is actually wrong with DeAndre Swift, for one. Number I two. It, I think it's smoke. Uh, I think it is too. And DeAndre Swift's dad, you probably don't know this, but his dad's like a bodybuilder. So I think if DeAndre Swift wasn't like up to like wind as in he's not in shape, his dad would fix that, not the team. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, so, I love DeAndre Swift this year, so I'm right there too. with you. I think, I think he, I think it's smoke. If, if somebody in your league is selling for whatever injury he's dealing with, I think it's a hamstring or a groin, one of the two. Um, I'm buying. I have him in two leagues. I haven't moved him from my starting lineup. That questionable tag doesn't concern me. He's gonna play because he's the focal point of that offense. Him and T.J. Hawkinson. Um, right. Yeah. And he uh, he also starts against the 49ers, so that's not too exciting either. Week one now but um at adp i do like deandre swift a lot he's a guy i want in both dynasty and redraft yes uh one more thing about the lions real quick pay stool for everyone worried about that first round pick and uh they're feeling good about the Bengals not taking penny stool because he's not being successful right now uh preseason <laughs> just so you know penny stool one took a year off of football so you know he's got to get back up to speed number two they moved him to a whole new position so that's not the position that he played at an elite level in college. So he has both of those two major factors working against him. So you're going to have to be patient for him to come into form, but it's definitely going to be a slow start for Penny Sewell. I agree. Um, next, let's touch on – well, first off, I do want to like – let me ask you this, Mike. Okay, so we have all these preseason takes. We've got guys that are going and performing really well in the, in the offseason. You know, uh, we just touched on Trent Sherfield talked about Ramondre. What does this mean to you? Is, is anything that's happening and occurring in the in preseason, how meaningful is it to you? Uh, well, uh, to me, preseason, what's important about preseason is rookie production and uh, positional battles. So like Absolutely. with Ramondre Stevenson, he's a fourth-round draft capital running back, running back by committee. It's a, it's a complicated and full committee. So um, and we haven't seen him at the pro level here. So this gives us like a little bit of a taste. Even if he's only successful against the second strings, that's still telling me that he can compete against NFL talent. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. So these vets that have been in for like five years, I don't care. But these guys that have been in their first year, I love it. So even second year guys, like if they show like fast improvement, I like that. But besides those two, that's really all I'm really caring about. Right. So, so for me, I look at the preseason as a – Wait, it's it's either affirmation or it challenges my my current beliefs. So I have a general uh, perception of almost every single player prior to them playing a single preseason game. I, I scout all these rookies and I've watched all these vets play. So I have a very good idea of who I like and who I don't like. So when I have players that I'm maybe on uh, on the fence about, I'm definitely taking notes. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. I, I'm partial to Teddy Bridgewater, and I was like, okay, well, let's see how he does in the preseason. So that positional battle, those are important. And and really, for me, the most important thing is looking at those rookies. If I'm high on Ramondre Stevenson, and I am, and he performs well, I'm thinking, okay, he's actually good. The people who want to punish a player per, for performing against poor competition is absurd. The guy is only given whatever's handed to him, and if he's handed second stringers and he dominates them, you can't tell you can't tell me that player's bad because he did the best he could in that situation. And he, and he dominated. That's all you can ask. So I, I love watching rookies that I'm high on excel. Now, what happens if a rookie's bad or a rookie that I'm high on is bad in the preseason? Okay. So again, that's a noteworthy thing. I say, 
all right, Jake, this was your process. This is where you had this guy, but you might want to reassess. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pulling chalks. I'm not saying, all right, I'm done on this guy, but I'm taking a note. And then whenever the pre, whenever the regular season starts, if he's not performing, probably a guy you can cut. So that, that's kind of the way I approach it. And I think it's important to understand and have general perceptions and takes on players prior to that. Otherwise you're going to get skewed by, but these guys that are just dominating in preseason, and that's not always realistic. So you guys need to keep that in mind. Um, speaking of – no, not yet. All right, so Broncos. Let's touch on the Broncos. What do you think about the Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon situation? We saw Melvin Gordon dominate the touches this week. Sorry, this preseason last game. Right. So uh, we've talked about this before. It's kind of hard for me to understand what's going on there. Um but it sounds to me like they're protecting Javante Williams. I mean, we have enough running backs already hurt this year. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. So, uh, you know, I think they're just protecting an asset here. Um, they spent an early second on him. He's clearly a part of their future plans. Melvin Gordon's on the last year of his contract. I think they're just protecting an asset here. What do you think, Jake? Um, yeah, again, so we, we, Mike and I have touched on this already. Um, I feel pretty passionately. Javante is my number two uh, running back. The hype on Javante during the preseason wasn't super – like, it wasn't a lot of it. It wasn't anything significant. Uh, excuse me, Jake? He, number two running back for a redraft? No, I'm or, sorry. Rookie. Ru- running back, too. Uh, there we go. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. I'm trying to clarify. No right. Rookie running I'm back. It. I'm doing it, too. Absolutely. Rookie running back, too. Uh, that's very important. Not, a, not running back, too, overall. Uh, so, Melvin Gordon comes in in preseason week three and dominates the touches, right? And that's cool. Um, but what do we take away from it? Is it that they're higher on Melvin Gordon or are they so confident in Javante that, that they're sitting on and, and here's the thing though, Melvin Gordon's an older player. They just drafted Javante. They're probably really high on Javante as they should be. And now Melvin Gordon, they wanted to showcase him. That's what I think. I think they want to showcase his abilities to see if any running back needy team wants to bite on him. And if they do, great. Straight over whatever assets you want because we've got Javante waiting to take over. So I don't know what to expect from day one. I think it's going to be a split backfield. I think that was literally just a showcase and say, hey, Melvin Gordon still got it. Somebody come get him. That's what I think. All right. Uh, you want to talk about Teddy B versus Drew Locke, the positional battle? Man, the battle of the turds. Which which is the better turd is the way, the way I like to describe that. But here's the thing: if you have two turds and you polish a turd, you still have a turd. Yes, and, but but Teddy is a fresh turd, and Drew Lock is old and dried out. I'm good on Teddy B. Or no, I'm good on Drew Lock. Same. I'm so, down so, for Teddy B. Teddy B, who supported two top twenty four, two top twenty four wide three. Breaking yeah. news for me, right? DJ Moore, <laughs> Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. No, I don't think Curtis Curtis didn't get top top twenty four. It was something was absurd. Wi- Maybe it was top thirty, but three top thirties absurd. He was he was up. He there. got wide receiver ten, uh, like the last half of the season. He was wide receiver ten, Curtis Samuel, but slow start. But yeah, the point is that Teddy B can can produce and uphold like fantasy value for his players, whereas Drew Lock can't. So I'm very excited about Jerry Judy, for example. I think his stock goes up. Um, I'm not really on that. Cortland Sutton takes a hit here, but I. I'm definitely more excited about Jerry Judy than Cortland Sutton at this point. Why is that? Oh, because I own him in a lot of leagues. <laughs> but, but, oh, uh, man. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes. Anyway, so Teddy B throws a little shorter passes. That's kind of where Jerry Judy excels. Um, Jerry, Jerry Judy is a, is a close line scrimmage guy. He can create on his own, he can fight in open space. Or Cortland Sutton to me is just a down the sideline, deep threat type of guy. So, very excited about Teddy B for the Broncos. He's a stopgap quarterback. Hopefully, they're advertising what they can do for like someone like Aaron Jones to come. Or not Aaron Jones, sorry. Aaron Rodgers, actually. Like, they can be like, oh, wow, look how successful Teddy B is. Let's get somebody that can really throw in here. Uh, yeah, I agree. Sorry, I took a little, I'm having some technical difficulties over here for anybody. I saw that. Uh, on video, you saw. If you weren't on video, no worries. Um. I'm right there with you, though. Teddy B over Drew Locke. I've had that take for a while. I thought they were going to start Drew Locke. Um, glad they didn't, though. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot I want to touch on there outside of I have Cortland Sutton a little bit higher than Jerry Judy. 
like both though. And again, Mike touched on uh, Teddy Bridgewater's ability to support multiple top uh, receivers. And so I, I think that's going to be the case. I think, I think Cortland and, and Jerry are two guys that are going to exceed in this offense. Anything else you'd like to add before we move on? Yeah, one small thing here too is that like for actual real football, like real football fans, I'm sure Bronco fans aren't excited about Teddy B. But that defense is pretty elite in Denver, at least in my opinion. I think they're undervalued. So I believe that like I think we're gonna see a lot of games where they win like twenty one seventeen. Because the defense can hold the other opposing offense to that low score. They're not gonna rely upon Teddy B to uh get the touchdowns, but he will definitely not overturn the ball the way Drew Locke was overturning the ball. Right. Yeah, so that's all good for me. So you are you ready to move on to the uh, Carolina Panthers? Oh, hold on, we're skipping one. We got the Saints first. Oh, my bad. Excuse me. No, you're good. Um, another position battle. This one's um, they've at least uh, given us a conclusion on this. It's gonna be it's gonna be Jameis Winston starting over Taysom Hill. Man, this one's been this has been a ridiculous situation to me because I think I think uh, Sean Payton is just absurdly um i think he's just absurdly uh stubborn i think he's a guy who wanted really just wanted to sell the idea that he could he could make this guy a franchise quarterback when he's got a top prospect who took a year i mean james winston took a year off to become better that's 100 percent what he did he wanted to go learn from drew Brees. he wanted to go learn from sean payton he sacrificed a year getting paid probably more money to go learn and that says a lot about is I think one leadership and one his willingness and want to win, and so when you have a top prospect who's willing to do those things in a new offense, it, it's ridiculous to me that Taysom Hill was ever considered. And I don't hate Taysom, I just think once one was an elite quarterback and one was uh, a gadget player. That's what I, I think. Describe him. I think one's a possible future and one's just. Agreed, like like a bridge quarterback. Yes, right. yes. And also, uh, I think Taysom also wanted to get LASIK eye surgery. That might have helped out the one year <laughs> of learning underneath Sean Payton and uh, Drew Brees. There we go. You mean Jameis wanted to get that? Yeah, I say Taysom. I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> that oh, Taysom needs to get it now. That's okay. Taysom needs it too, apparently. Uh, right. Right. Let's see who we got next. I think it's uh, the uh, Mark. Oh, we got Marquez Callaway. Oh, yeah, and almost forgot about... Uh, oh, another guy that's absolutely oh, yeah. dirt cheap and free out there. Uh, the Saints wide receiver core is now the worst in the league, if nobody's told you that. So it's worse than the Lions. It's worse than the Patriots last year. But their one bright spot is UDFA Marquez Callaway, who dealt with injuries last year. Um, he's a short speedster, um, but they've used him in the slot and actually out wide this preseason. So he's showcased ability to play all over the formation. Uh I, I like Marquez Callaway. I think it's a great, um, he's a great late round buy. Um, but here's the issue: is that like James Wilson likes to throw a lot, so I I don't know how far a UDFA on his like first pro season can go. Like I I really don't. I he's hard for me in my projections, um, in my rankings. Do you have him as like a wide receiver three or where do you have uh, Marquez Callaway? Um, I'd have to go back and look. It's either a low end wide receiver two or high end wide receiver three. Okay. Uh, I, I like, I like Marquez too. Um, mainly because of opportunity and opportunity is huge in fantasy football guys. We're not talking about a dynasty take here. It's not a guy that I, I think is going to have immense value. If you own him in dynasty, sorry, if you roster him in dynasty, then, then that's probably a guy that I would look to move because he's only got one year value unless you're, you know, one player away from championship and that's the only situation in which I'm keeping him in Dynasty. Um, but let me ask you this. With all the cuts and everything going on, do you think the Saints are a prime candidate for another wide receiver? Yes, I hope so. Uh, veteran John Brown is now free of the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know why. He just asked for a release. Uh, he's a great addition. Um, I know you're a big fan of Seth Williams, so he's did, did, Hold on. Did John get I, – I didn't know John asked for the release. That's That makes a big difference. Yeah, he asked to get released. So That's I, I, yeah. So there's good. There's some veterans out there they can ask for. Uh, yeah, Seth Williams yeah. is a guy I'm high on, as he briefly touched on. Seth had an amazing prospect profile. I liked his film. I don't know if Mike liked it. Uh, he, I he hated it. Absolutely, he scoffs it, so. at it. He he disgusting. To me, I saw a guy who was dominating SEC corners, and I loved that. Um, Again, the analytics looked great for him. The only thing uh, that I was hearing bad was the 
character issues and <laughs> hell it must be a real thing because six it, he didn't even look bad in preseason i've been tracking the guy like he was one of my guys and i'm like all right at value this guy's a still so i've been tracking him through preseason he's been looking good he's he's not getting a, a ton of hype like Sherfield or these guys dominating but he was getting attention on a deep wide receiver core on the broncos so i was i don't want to say i was surprised i got cut because it's such a deep wide receiver room um if he doesn't get picked up I'm going to have to own the fact that I he's he's just not what I think he is. Um, but I do think he's going to get picked up. I actually went and acquired him in one of my deeper leagues once he was dropped because I think it's a better opportunity. You're not six-string on a crowded wide receiver room. If he goes to the Saints, if he goes to the Titans, you could be an automatic wide receiver three there. Like There's just so many opportunities that exist for a guy to step into. And again, this is, this is under the premise that he's talented. Maybe he's not as talented as I think he is. Maybe he's not, but uh, we'll find out here shortly. That's a guy that, at cost, he's free. If you're in a deep dynasty league, maybe stash for a day. Nothing happens, drop him. That's kind of where I'm at with it. One man's trash is also another man's trash in some cases. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, One closing note on the Saints here. Uh, Tyron Johnson is labeled as the RB2. I really don't know what that means. I'm not really interested either. Tony Jones. Oh my gosh! I did. I did that. Tony Jones. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, Tony Jones okay. is. Tony Tony Jones is is the RB two there in the Saints. Uh, I'm not really interested at all. Alvin Kamara's not really a guy that gets hurt a lot. They kind of limit his touches anyway. He's kind of really just a really efficient guy. Um, and I actually expect on them to lean on Alvin Kamara pretty heavily. So, um, which is ready to move on here? No, I'm not because it's oh. interesting <laughs> that we've got we've got Latavius <laughs> Murray who's still he's still on the he made the team. But Tony Jones is now the RB two, you know, according to reports. So that's 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 odd. And Tony doesn't look bad, but it's not a guy that it was not a guy that I've been tracking. Um, not a guy that I've ever been impressed with. So again, I'm not I'm not I'm not changing my tune because of preseason over a guy that I have this preconceived notion over. So he doesn't he doesn't move the t- uh, whatever. He doesn't push anything for me. There's no interest there for me unless. He's free, and I have a spot on my team. That's the only. How old do you think? How old do you think Latavius Murray is? He's getting old, man. He's got to be like what, twenty nine? He's thirty one. Yeah, he's old. So maybe maybe that's that's why. Maybe it will just fall off. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, but if you don't have anything else, let's move on. Okay. Let's do it. We are on the Panthers. Uh, there's a decent amount to talk about here. You want to start us off? I'm going to start us off with uh, the quarterback situation there. Very small, very short. Uh, they released Will Greer. Will Greer was from West Virginia University. I think he was like a middle-of-the-pack pick like two years ago. Um, they now have P.J. Walker labeled as the wire, uh, sorry, the QB2 in their system. So good for P.J. <laughs> did, did you like P.J. in the preseason? A lot of people were super impressed by him. I wasn't a big fan. Um, not okay. saying that he can't be like a good holder, but I don't think he'd start. Like if he started somewhere for any team, I wouldn't be excited. I, like I just wouldn't. I but as far as like a backup goes, I think he's like serviceable. I think he's top half as far as backups go. Yeah, I'd say uh, that's a pretty good take. A lot of people love PJ Walker. I don't think he's bad, but I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said there. I think he's serviceable. I think he he's kind of like a, a Teddy Bridgewater to me. He's a guy who. Is like a bridge quarterback. He can fill a role, but he's not going to win you games. He's not going to take you to a championship. He can win you games. I, he's not going to take you to a championship. That's what I would say. I will take him over Tyrod Johnson, though. Tyrod Taylor. Oh, my gosh. Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> you love those Johnsons. <laughs> I know, dude. What's wrong with me? Uh, well, there's a bunch <laughs> in the NFL, so we're good. Um, all right. Well, let me let me get us started on one of my favorite players. Um, anybody who's following me on Twitter knows that I, I am absolutely obsessed with Terrace Marshall Jr., who scores as my rookie wide receiver two over Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddell, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. And and a lot of people don't agree with that. But um, all of his metrics and things that I have in my model that correlate to fantasy football success had him crushing the model. It was just a guy who popped immediately. So I went back and watched a bunch of tape. It was a guy that I was like, okay, let me see if this guy is really the real deal. And a lot of people don't know this, but prior to 2020 when Jamar Chase sat out, but well, in 2020, uh, Terrace Marshall looked really good. It was like 13 touchdowns in 10 games, something silly. Maybe it was 10 and 7. I don't remember how many games they play. He, he did really well, though. 
And that was without Jamar Chase. And a lot of people were like, okay, well, that was because Jamar Chase was gone. Well, let's reference 2019. 2019, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, and Terrace Marshall all on the same team. And a little-known fact, Terrace Marshall actually kept pace with those guys. He outperformed them through, okay, so through four games, he had one more touchdown than both of them and about 97 less yards. So he had less yards, more touchdowns. And here's the thing. In, in the preseason, he's kind of affirmed everything you thought. He's this alpha guy. He's got great size, great speed. And in the preseason, it's another guy who's been an absolute target monster in the red zone. Terrace Marshall is a guy who scores touchdowns. And I, I hate it when people are like, well, you can't predict touchdowns. And so they knock a guy the next following year because they, they just don't think that somebody can um, uphold that type of touchdown production. But if you've been doing it your whole career, you did it your 2019, you did it in 2020. And in the preseason, he got, I think it was two or three targets back to back to back in the red zone in a preseason game. And uh, he also dominated a few, I think he had 97 yards. He's looked really good in every single game. So that goes back to affirmation. I have this preconceived notion where he's a great receiver. And then when you see him in action, he looks great. So it's so tough to, to, to draft him over guys like um, Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore that are looking really good as well, but especially whenever he's a, the wide receiver three on their team. But I really believe he overtakes Robbie Anderson this year in fantasy football. He's another guy that I have deemed as a league winner. Now, I say that they're candidates. They're not guys that I'm telling you intrinsically they're going to go win because – or sorry, not win. They're going to go dominate. Um, but here's the thing. When you're deciding a league winner or you're finding league winners – it's not going to be players that are consensus because if they're consensus, it's not going to be a league winner. They're already expected to do well. So Justin Jefferson, uh, Stephen Diggs, Jamal, uh, James Robinson. Uh, Chris Godwin two years ago. Chris Godwin. Well, I'm talking about just last year. But, yeah, again, Chase Claypool, when you exceed your ADP by about 100 points, don't, sorry, 100 spots, that's a league winner. You have a guy that you're drafting as depth that performs as a starter. That's how you win your leagues. Because you're getting immense value. And if you can do that multiple times, you're going to crush it. And so that's why I keep talking about these league winners. They're candidates to step into. They're being drafted as if they're not going to do anything. And they're stepping into situations where they really can't excel. And and I love Terrace Marshall. I'm not going to harp on it anymore. What are your thoughts on it, Mike? No, I'm a big fan too. Uh, my pre-draft process, no, sorry, post-draft process was Terrence Marshall became my wide receiver three. So he was Jace wide receiver two, my wide receiver three. Uh, Elijah Moore was my wide receiver two, just for everyone listening. But um, as far as other pass pitchers though here, I want to talk about Robbie Anderson's extension. So he got extended for two years, 30 mil. So again, how I complained about the Ravens small pie for pass catching. We got three guys here that are now eating to the same pie. We have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Terrence Marshall. Now we're both really excited about Terrence Marshall's talent. Uh, and clearly Terrence Marshall is going to be here for four years. Now Robbie just extended for two more years. So now my question and my thought process is, are they not going to extend DJ Moore? Is DJ Moore going to be having to go find a job somewhere else? Oh man, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, That's an awesome point. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut right. you off. So, I was excited. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's really. I, I. I don't know if you are, but I'm. I'm not where the industry is on DJ Moore. I'm not like excited about it. I think he's really talented, but I'm not really seeing him where he fits here in the future. And I'm not really excited about. Yeah, I'm just not excited about him being on a three-headed monster uh, right. on this team. So I, I do like DJ Moore, but I think that with Terrace Marshall, you're getting an elite guy. Something I didn't even touch on. <laughs> Joe Brady was. Uh, LSU's wide receiver coach in 2019. So he knew exactly what he was getting in Terrace Marshall. He traded up, didn't trade up, I'm sorry. He drafted his wide receiver knowing what he was getting and that he wanted that guy. I'm telling you, Terrace Marshall is that dude. Yes, they clearly have a plan for Robbie and Terrence. I don't see the plan for DJ Moore. Love so, um, all right, let's, uh, are we ready to move on here? Not yet. We got a running back to talk. Well, I don't want to get everybody too excited. We're going to talk about Chuba briefly. Chuba right, had a right. couple big games. Maybe it was just one. Um, broke a big run. Were you impressed with Chuba? What were your initial thoughts? No, I wasn't impressed. I think this might be just some hate rolling over from the pre-draft process <laughs> in his last season in college. Um, but uh, his he stinks to me. And I think that stink is carrying over to the, the pro side. Um, 
yeah, so I'm not very excited. I understand he's a high-end handcuff, and I get that CMC is coming off a big injury, but I'm not excited about him. I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Even on that long run he broke, he looked slow. And for a guy, a guy who was known for his speed in college, I don't know what happened. Yeah, that was supposed to be his thing. It looks like he's lost a step, and I don't know why. You know, it's funny. Ramondre Stevenson looked faster. I don't know if they actually did, but when you look look at the tape in the preseason, the guy that weighs 231 pounds looked faster than Chuba. And I don't. What does Chuba weigh? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I don't. It's not worth looking up. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it's I, not a guy. I'm, go ahead. No, but I had Ramondre's numbers up because I was looking earlier to see what it was. He is 231, <laughs> and he oh, ran something like a like a like a four six, which isn't fast. That's not fast. But he no. looked way faster than a four six yep. out there. It looks like he's he might have trimmed down. I don't know. It, you like how I knew that though? Two thirty one off the top of the head. That's how, you know, that's how yeah. you know we're nerds over here. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's move on to the Bears. A lot of people love talking about the quarterback situation. Um, it looks like, and I mean, in my opinion, it looks like it should be Justin Fields. I don't. I I think Matt Nagy's crazy. He's a guy who's about to lose his job. He's got. Clear talent with Justin Fields, a guy who is looking good in the preseason as well, and you are firmly stating that you're rolling with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton just isn't it. He's an older guy, and he's not even one of those older guys that's getting, like, you know, some people age like fine wine. They say he is not that guy. He's not getting better. He's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not doing anything to improve over time. He just doesn't look like a good quarterback, and for – for Matt Nagy, a guy whose job's on the line, to not make that a a, a a position battle, that's baffling to me. And if the dude wants to keep his job, Justin Fields is starting sooner and later. There's no way it's it's longer than week two or three, in my opinion. Hopefully sooner. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I'm with you too. Uh, I mean, but they got they have to get their ten million dollars worth though out of Andy Dole. That's what they paid him. Oh, man, but week one they go up against Aaron Donald. Um, and I don't really want Justin Fields to go up against Aaron Donald week one, but then he plays like another elite pass rusher the next week. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, Justin Fields is definitely the better quarterback. The thing that I'm worried about is that um, JJ Zacharisa did a study uh, where rookie quarterbacks kind of have a dip in, dip in production for their wide receiver core. Um, and then on top of that, rookie quarterbacks that are dual threat have a sharp drop in production for their wide receiver core. So I'm worried about Allen Robinson. And the fact is that I'm I'm actually I like Allen Robinson, but apparently I'm a lot lower on Allen Robinson than the industry this year. Yep, I'm high on him. Yeah, and it's just weird because I'm like clearly <laughs> clearly we're all gonna say it is that they're gonna have that uh Allen Robinson's gonna have probably the best targets he's ever gotten, but he's always been a volume guy. So he's gonna get better passes but less volume. So I'm like I'm cutting the middle here. I don't know what to do. Um yeah, no, I'm kinda right there with you. Uh, I think for dynasty, not dynasty purposes, for, for redraft purposes, I definitely want to own Justin Fields. He's a guy who's going to be running the ball. Um, just depends on how well he passes uh, for his future. So that, that's kind of what puts it up in the air for me for dynasty. For dynasty, I prefer guys that are uh, more efficient passers that I think have a longer career. Uh, but a lot of people like to gamble on upside, and I understand that as well. But uh, for dynasty, I'm not... I'm not as high for redraft. I think I think he's going to be great. Right. Um, oh yeah, one yeah, more. I think guy, he looks good. Uh, go ahead. No, go, no, no. You go ahead. You got it. Rodney Adams, uh, another player who's making a splash in the preseason. Are you buying it, or do you think he's just doing preseason stuff? No, I'm not buying it here. For me, it's just going to be uh, Allen Robinson, Darno Mooney, and then. If you're in a cold commit, you can be into that. But for me, it's just those two guys I'm interested in. I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I got Rodney Adams in my super deep league, 32 teams. Other than that, probably not worth owning. Um, all right, last team we are touching on. We've got the Los Angeles Rams. What do you think about Cam Akers, that running back backfield? Like, What do we make of it, Mike? Uh, well, so Cam Akers, I don't want to mess this up again. The injury is... It's Achilles. Li- no, no, Liz Frank. Liz Frank. Yeah, it's Liz Frank. Okay. She sucks. She's the worst. Liz Frank um, is not a nice lady. That's typically a career ender. Uh, we haven't seen it with a running back of this caliber, but now we're looking at a committee here. There's a little bit of a hype train there for Xavier Jones. Xavier Jones is now a free agent, I believe. 
and they trade for Sony Michelle from the Patriots. Um, and Sony Michelle looked pedestrian to me during the preseason. I, I thought he lost his step. Um, I, I feel like his best days were 2015, like on the Georgia Georgia Bulldogs. So um, it's going to be a split backfield. I was excited about Henderson, but I don't really know. I really don't know where to sit on this anymore. Let, let me jump in because I'm excited for this one. Okay. This is um, Sony Michelle has been a guy that I've been holding for upside purposes, uh, actually in Mike and I's league, and I have him in a couple others. Again, muddy backfield where Sony Michelle was cheaper than Damian Harris. So I thought, well, why not? Um, and same with Ramondre. I own, I own a lot of Ramondre, especially after I saw what he was doing. Um, but here's the thing. Um, and a lot of people don't like this. I was using rookie prospect profiles for each of them. Now, both of them don't have a great sample size, so that's why I wanted to reference it. I wanted to compare their college careers to see if they were similar and to see if they aligned, and they actually scored neck and neck. So they both kind of went back and forth on the, on the metrics that matter. Um, so then you're like, okay, well, if we had a bigger um, NFL sample size, that's what I'd be referencing, but we don't. Um, but here's the thing. Michelle was averaging 5.7 yards per carry uh, the last four or five games last year, and I liked that. Uh, that's a great number. Yards per carry definitely matters to me. And then you have Daryl Henderson, who averaged 4.4, right? So I see a muddy backfield. I see a team who didn't have faith in Daryl Henderson, so they went and acquired another guy. And um, when that happened, now we have a backfield that's muddy. So I'm taking Sony Michelle um, because he's cheaper, and I think he has a good chance of becoming the lead back there, and so I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah, uh, and then uh, the next guy we want to touch on, Tutu Atwell. He's looked okay, uh, nothing crazy. Um, oh, uh, you mentioned Xavier Jones getting cut. He didn't – so the situation was weird. He was waived with a cl injury clause. I don't know exactly how that works, but basically – He's cut, but then he goes to their IR, I guess. I'm not sure how it works, but that was that was some weird clause they put on it. Um, but uh, a guy that I really like, Jake Funk, uh, I was really excited whenever – I don't want to say I'm excited because I don't want to wish an injury upon anybody. But I was excited for the opportunity that Jake Funk was going to get whenever um, Team Makers went down. So they brought in Sony. Miss, uh, Xavier Jones is gone, so Jake is going to touch the ball. And what a lot of people don't know is Jake Funk averaged the eight point seven yards per carry in college. Yeah, over four games. No, dude, it was like, but that's sixty touches. Like, that's not insignificant. That's a decent. Uh, that's not a great sample size, but that's that's still significant. And if it's not enough for you, what about the preseason? What are you doing in the preseason, Mike? Do you know? No, I don't really pay much attention to it. He averaged eight yards of carry in the preseason on 10 touches. So right, um, right. I'm not saying I love the guy. Deep roster stash, I think he's worth that. Um, I briefly mentioned Tutu Atwell. I'm not hot, super high on him. He he actually scored uh, decently well in my model because of his draft capital. So he's a guy that I'm at least looking at, but – I just don't think the Rams know what the heck they're doing when it comes to receivers. No, yeah. Your your model was way too, too high on that. Oh, let's see that today. Oh, you yeah, I see that. Get out of it. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, man. no, he's just too small for me. He's going to be one of those guys that's a better NFL player than he is fantasy player. Um, I'm not actually sure what's going on with Deshaun Jackson because I've heard nothing about him this whole last month. Yeah, actually, I haven't But either. I would assume that Deshaun Jackson gets the start – and Tutu just kind of slides in sometime midseason for that same role, just feel stretching, keeping the defense honest. He's gonna he's gonna take a corner with him and maybe even safety coverage over the top, and he's gonna draw coverage just purely based out of his speed. Yep. Well, I think we'll expect. I think we can expect to see some sweeps, a lot of play action yep. type stuff, moving him horizontally to try and open up the field. Yeah, they'll um, scheme him two to three opportunities a game, but I'm not banking it for any more than that anytime in his career. So an another situation worth discussing. Uh, Jacob Harrison, Tyler Higby. Do you like either of those uh, tight ends? I think Tyler Higby is the same as last year's Tyler Higby. <laughs> so you think he's just overhyped at this point? I do think he's overhyped. Uh, each year, I wrote an article about tight end production for um, for Campus to Ken 
And a lot of the time when you see elite tight ends, it's because there's no established first or second wide receiver option on that team. So just for example, Travis Kelsey is the second or first wide receiver option for his team, like uh, Darren Waller. There's no established wide receiver option on that team. And you can go down the list almost towards the end. And then kind of at the end, you get a few guys who are top options based out of a high volume passing offense like Gronk last year. Um, And I believe Higby could be a product of a high volume passing offense and he'll sneak into back end tight end one territory. But that is, that is the only scenario. So you are not interested in Jacob Harris. No, I'm not. Man, so let me tell you what I do like about Jacob Harris. One, one, he's impressed, but it was, again, you have these preconceived notions. I assessed these players prior. Jacob Harris was a guy that popped in my model, and I thought, why the heck is this dude popping in my model? We watched his tape, and I thought it was okay, but I was like, I think this is a flawed model. That's really what I thought, right? And then in preseason, he starts popping off, and I'm like, wait a second. Maybe this stuff that shows correlation to fantasy points is actually right. And and I got to thinking about it, and it makes sense, right? So Jacob Harris weighs, I want to say, 227 pounds. Most tight ends weigh at least 240, 250 because they're going to be blocking, right? They're blocking and catching the ball. That's what most tight ends do. do I don't think he was brought in to block because he's too small. I think he was brought in to be a pass catcher. And if he's brought in to be a pass catcher, that's great for his fantasy value. That's a guy that, hey, he's going to be throwing the ball. He's not going to be stuck blocking, which is a big concern with tight ends. So I like Jacob Harris. He's looked good. Um, It's hard to say if he steps in and contributes immediately, but he's not going to be doing it to block. We know that. Yeah, exactly. So he's like a date. He's he's a uh, rookie tight end, and I'm just not interested at all. The only times I really care about are the already established elite guys, and then after your last like seven or eight, you could take your shot. But just I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that until like very late. You know, I'm not actually putting in real capital into taking my dart shots on tight ends. I completely agree. There's six guys that I want after that seventh and eighth. I kind of like, which would be for me, that's Johnu and Troutman. After that, I just don't think I want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna move up or spend draft capital. I'll wait and see who's available. Um, Mike, we have gone through a lot. We've touched on. I think the biggest news we've touched on. A lot of the biggest preseason breakout guys. Is there right. anything else you want to touch on? Well, we missed out on the Colts. We missed out on the Jets. We missed out on the Eagles. I mean, we could do like a speed thirty second round for each team. <laughs> each. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do. Let's do Colts and Jets quickly. And okay. You take Colts or which one? You want Colts or Jets? I'll take. The I'll other. do. I'll do Colts. All right, go ahead. All right, all right. So start off with the Colts here. You got a lot of injuries here. Uh, their left tackle, sure. I'm not really worried about their left tackle, right? Everyone's worried about Jonathan Taylor. You got to fade him because their left tackle's out. Uh, Jonathan Taylor averaged 24 points a game when their left tackle was hurt the second half of last season. Um, Quentin Nelson should be coming back very soon. So should Carson Wentz. T.Y. Hill looking like he's going to be out for a while. So the question is, who's going to be the pass catchers for the Colts? Looking like Michael Pittman's season is back on, assuming Carson Wentz comes in. And a deep stash that me and Jake both like are Mike Strong. Uh, I might pronounce it wrong and say Strachan all the time, but Mike Strong is a Str- – oh, my gosh. Okay, my boy Mike <laughs> is a is a D2 wide receiver stud. He's wowing in camp, and his very last preseason game, he caught, I think, five for 42 yards. Um, he's clearly involved, again, a deep stash, but I think he's worth it because I think the Colts wide receiver court is also depleted. And Kylie yep. Grace is also making the splashes for tight end, who also is like kind of an ambiguous group of tight ends. So that's also an open door. Very good synopsis, very quick. I agree with most of that, not high on Pittman. Um, but yeah, I like Michael Strong, which is weird. I know that's why I put the spelling up there for you. Um, yeah, it should be I, – I pretty much agree with everything you just said, so – I'll touch on the Jets now. Uh, Zach Wilson looking good. All rookie quarterbacks have actually looked pretty good. Uh, I'd say Trey Lance probably looking the least best, but still a ton of potential. Talking about the Jets, though. Corey Davis, a guy who wasn't getting a lot of love coming off of a season. He was just shy of 1,000 yards. Uh, Jets brought him in, paid him, and it's looking like he's going to be the number one receiver. It doesn't look like it's – even up for debate. He dominated the preseason there. Zach Wilson and him seem to have great connection. Um, yeah, I think he's going to outperform ADP drastically. 
Next guy we're going to talk about Elijah Moore, my wide receiver three, rookie wide receiver three, looking great. Um, he just got back from an injury, or he's still injured, but he should be good to go for week one. It's another guy I love. I have him pinned as a potential league winner. He's just a candidate. Can't definitively say that, but I think he looks good. He's a guy that could win you a league. Um, Michael Carter does not look great. I hate that backfield. I don't know who I want. A lot of people talk about Ty Johnson. Is that who you were going to mention? I was just going to mention, yeah, there's a report came out that uh, Michael Carter hasn't ran with the once all uh, camp. It's been Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman, and it, that's what they're saying yeah. is whose backfield it is. So Michael Carter's looking like a bust. Yep. I, uh, You know, I was never high on Michael Carter. It was a guy that it was my fringe uh, running back five. So here we are. All right. Um, I think that's it. Mike, are you good over there? Anything else you yeah, really need to I'm get good. through? Yeah, I'm good. I wanted to trash talk the Eagles, but I'm good. <laughs> hey, I think they get enough of that, man. Not as bad as the Giants, though, because Kadarius Tony. I tell you what, Dave Gettleman, he knows how to pick them. Dave, if you think you're a better GM than than Dave, you just get out of here because he's a he's an NFL GM and he knows what yep. he's doing. Kadarius Tony's he's not gonna be bad. Hey, uh, Kenny Galladay is working out great. I heard. <laughs> so and, hey, we don't hate Kadarius Tony. We strongly dislike Kadarius Tony. And, and Daniel Jones definitely doesn't turn over the ball fifty-one times over no, two seasons. No, it's it's a. I'm not going to trash an organization. Couldn't could it be that. him? Couldn't it be him? Couldn't be us trashing an organization because we are great football no, fans. Certainly not as a Patriots fan. I love the Giants. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. Anybody that gave us a listen, especially if you were here the whole time, awesome. Feel free to interact with comments. You guys want to shoot us a message on Twitter. I'm going to put our handles up. Um, Mike Valerie at FF underscore dirty Mike for those of us not watching. Uh, I'm Jake Estes at Dynasty underscore Jake. You can find us both on Twitter. Um, it's been great. Mike, any parting words? Uh, go Patriots. <laughs> okay, so Mike has a lot going on with work. Hopefully we can get back on here next Tuesday at 9. We're going to try and make that a thing. Um, if Mike can't make it, I'll try and find a replacement. But we appreciate you guys, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. You guys uh, enjoy. <laughs>